What's up? What's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, the Football Academy. I'm Mr. Poon tonight with Braden and Will. How's it going, boys? It's another season in the books. It's been a fun season, in my opinion. Like, I know opinions will vary on this, especially if you're a Chelsea fan. Uh, but I think it's been a fun season overall. Um, little sad it's over, a little ready to be, for it to be over. I, I'm, I don't know that I've fully come to grips with it quite yet. Look, I want to say something just off the bat. I have never been more underwhelmed by the highlight packages from the BBC and Sky Sports. That was some weak shit, y'all. I come home all excited to watch the fucking montage. It's like the highlight of my season. BBC hits me with a, a admittedly kind of sick cover of Love Will Tear Us Apart by, of course, String Quartet, but it's still kind of boring. Sky Sports didn't even give me a good song, man. I'm glad the season's over, but y'all took away the joy of the last part of the season, which is watching Liverpool completely butchered their entire season set to a dope song. Gave me weak sauce and I'm disappointed. That's the only complaint I really have. Yeah, no complaints from my end. Very happy with how the season's ended. Football's over. Nothing's happening over the next couple weekends. So, you know what? Happy days. But before we get into all of that, Brayden, do you want to give us a quick rundown of how we did on our bets last weekend? Yeah, so it was a little bit of a rough weekend for us on the bets. I think part of this is just because there's a certain unpredictability that comes into the last week of the season. You've got a lot of teams who just don't give a fuck. Uh, looking at Liverpool, Will, specifically. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Monaco um, was still happening, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so You, you think uh, Salah, after that fiery post, really wanted to show that he cared? Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Like, made the whole thing and then just like, eh, just going to go out and... To be fair, the attackers did their job. Uh, it, it's kind of the other end. <laughs> the rest of the teams. Things are falling apart. Um, maybe the aura will be better next year. Um, so, in second and third, in a tie, was Sapoon and I. We picked the same four games correct. Um, so Spoon and I tied for second and third with 720 pod bucks on our outlay of a thousand pod bucks. Just slightly better than us is one Mr. William Webb with a return of 753 pod bucks. Again, the outlay of a thousand. Well done, Will. Uh, there, there are no victory laps for coming in like oh, over budget somehow. But uh, you know what? Last day of the season. At least one of, at least I got the job done. Fucking Liverpool got to be completely honest. I was more concerned with Monaco at this point, man. It was, I was, I put my head through the walls, whatever. <laughs> to, to be fair, you, you weren't, pro- none of us were profitable, so you really didn't get the job done. You just like did more of the job than Sapoon and I did. Like my own team, <laughs> I did just enough of the job. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it, it ended up being a very anticlimactic day. Overall, like, unlike the Bundesliga ending from the day before, where Dortmund just shed the fucking bet at home from winning the league, um, you see in the Premier League, the most exciting league in the world, have one of the most boring fucking uh, final days you will ever see. But that does give us an opportunity, now that the season's over, to look back at some of the bets we made at the beginning of the season you can go back and listen to what our rationale was at the time. We are going to try to defend our picks if they somewhat are defensible. Uh, some of them might not be. Uh, 
quite a few coming up. But the first one will did get a team right here. Relegation teams will you pick Leeds at plus two hundred? They did end up going down. So like, in, if you had actually bet a hundred dollars, you would be three. You'd have three hundred dollars today. Braden um, picked Bournemouth at minus one eighty. I picked Everton at plus fourteen hundred. Neither one of them came to fruition. So will I'm gonna let you take the victory lap right here. It's not as happy of a victory lap as I want it to be because, from a personal standpoint, I was sort of hoping that all the side men would have all their clubs in the Premier League at the same time and I'd get to watch them banter about it. Not to be. But something felt iffy about Leeds just from the jump of the season. And as the season went on, as Jesse Marsh couldn't kind of get things under control and they just kind of spiraled and spiraled and spiraled and got worse and worse and worse, man, I felt real vindicated in making that pick. Did I want it to happen? Maybe not. But just from the onset of the season, something something was rotten in the state of Lincolnshire. And you could just tell that it was not going to be a good season for Leeds. And you know what? It's, they ain't looking like they're going to try to bounce back anytime soon. So uh, all due respect to Simon Miniminter. Damn, Leeds. Yeah, I, I mean, I... So I picked Bournemouth on this. I think it was a fairly reasonable pick at the time. And granted, if they, if someone had not scored nine goals on Bournemouth early in the season and they stay with Scott Parker a little bit longer, it's possible this would have come to fruition. I, I just think that Bournemouth did a smart thing and were decisive on it, being like, this is not working out, pulled the plug, and were able to do enough to kind of get their season turned around. Um which is, you know, that's fair play to them. Like, they, I think everyone picked them to go down, which is why you saw a minus 180 for them on the odds. Like, it, they were the clear favorite to go down and just uh, were able to scrap together results to stay up. So that's fair play to everyone involved. Um, they're going to have a tough fight next year, too. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's a next year problem. That's not, that's not a this year problem. Yeah. That is fair. And, I mean, Everton were in it until the final day. I was very confident that if they kept Lampard long enough, which they did try to keep him as long as fucking possible there, um, they would get relegated. But then they got uh, the man, the myth, the legend in uh, Sean Dyche. And you know what? If he Once he figured out how to play Dominic Calvert-Lewin for the last couple of games, it was just enough to make sure they didn't get relegated. But you know what? At plus 1,400, I'm going to always take that. Yeah, I, I was gonna say plus fourteen hundred, like a, a team that has a shot at getting relegated in the final day, like that's really all you can ask for, and it's the right pick. Like even if it doesn't work out in that in that instance, it's the right pick to take a team that bad <laughs> plus fourteen hundred. Yep, I'm going to quickly look at what were the odds for Leicester to get relegated at the beginning of the season. Surely not better than mine. Well, I so I remember we talked about this because I, I can't remember exactly when we had the conversation about Lester, but I, I remember being early to like I remember us having a conversation pretty early while everyone was like, "Oh, Lester's gonna be fine. They're gonna figure this out." And we were like, mm-hmm. "They ain't figuring this out. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they're in real trouble, and they that they could just sleepwalk down and." You know, sure enough, I think that's exactly what happened. Like, it just, they hang on to Brendan yeah. for a long time, and it just. There's a, 
there's a bet coming up that shows that maybe maybe one of us was on to something about them <laughs> falling apart. I don't know. I'm just saying. A Leicester City were plus fourteen hundred. I mean, so. yeah. All right, fair enough. Person. Like they were <laughs> they were the right pick then, I guess. But Evertonian odds, damn. Yeah. Still though, plus fourteen hundred. You got a team that almost goes down. That, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good pick. Yeah. You know, at some point, you could probably yeah. get cashed out and <laughs> gotten a good bet yep. that back. Yeah, that is fair. And I mean, the next question does tie into this: where how many promoted teams will get relegated? All of us got this wrong. Uh, will came the closest up. One plus ended up for the first time since the. 17-18 season in the Premier League, none of the teams that were promoted got relegated, which kind of stunning given, uh, you know, Bournemouth's incredible rise, Fulham surprising people, and on top of both of that, you had Nottingham Forest signing two fucking full-ass 11s over the course of the two windows and barely managing to survive with the same manager. So, Braden, any thoughts on that particular bet? Yeah, so do Forest have two goalkeepers on loan right now? Like like that's a truly that's a truly yep. wild thing for a team that stays up to do. Like, you know, fair play to them. Like you know, you go through all that. I I think we talked about it you know, cuz we we made these picks before the season. So the transfer window hadn't finished. We looked at what Forest were doing and thought that they had signed a lot of players, but they they weren't finished. And I, I, we had talked about the, it was going to be tough to integrate all these all these players, and I think it was. But I, you got to give credit to Steve Cooper. Like I think he figured this out. Like he did just enough. And there's a chance that that they now have something to build on and, and can go forward. Because I I don't expect them to sign two more 11s next year. Like hopefully, in all these players, they have found some players that they want. And are going to kind of solidify around them, and and maybe that means with a, you know, a few acquisitions here that you you kind of take the team up a level. So fair play to them, fair play to all the promoted teams. Fulham were really a revelation early in the season. I know they tailed off a little bit, but that's fine. When you really promote a team and you get top half, hey, that's pretty pretty solid. So a real strong performance from all the newly promoted teams. Uh, I don't really have too much more to add. I guess my adding of this is that the one that I picked, I thought was going to be Fulham because I thought they were going to approach this kind of the same way they had the first couple times they've been promoted and be like, we're just going to throw money at it and throw money at things we think will work out for us without really too much of a plan going for it. And this time they spent wisely. They put pieces together. They got a real good manager. Hey, they're in the top half of the table. That is not what I expected of them. So as much as we want to give Steve Cooper credit, and I want to give him the most credit because, you know, I love that guy. Nah, man, I'm just shout out to Fulham here because I fully expected them to yo-yo once again. And they kind of set themselves up to maybe kind of push forward and take some inspiration from the, the Brightons and the... We're going to say Brighton for right now because all the other examples I have have eventually gone back to the championship. But for right now, the Brightons of the world and maybe kind of move forward. So shout out to Fulham and hopefully they can uh, actually have people in that stand that we keep showing on TV sometimes. Yeah, I mean, fair play to all of them. And also just tells you um, it was kind of a weird season overall because no matter how many players you sign, I don't think 
you can level up that quickly if the quality of the Premier League is at the level that people expect it to be. And I think this was a kind of a weird year with some of the bigger teams taking a big hit um, on in terms of their results and their uh, overall playing. So kudos to everybody uh, who stayed up, and especially the three promoter teams. Uh, moving on, another one that I feel like all of us were close enough, but did not end up getting was the next Premier League manager to leave. This was uh, Scott Parker right after that 9-0 defeat at Anfield. Uh, don't really have a whole lot of words. Will, great. I mean, I have words on the 9-0, but y'all need to hear my words on that shit again. Um, something felt fishy to me about Brendan Rodgers, and it was just the lack of movement in any sort of way for the team. I know they went out and spent, I know that there should be something said about the fact they won trophies under the man, but it felt like things were getting stagnant and boring. I thought it was going to happen sooner than it did. I was wrong. I'll stand on that hill. But I do want to give all three of us a shout out because, look, everybody we mentioned, absolutely sucking ass in the scenario. Absolutely sucked ass. One of them sucked so much ass that he got fired and was able to come back and suck ass again. So shout out to Frank Lampard for uh, being the suck ass king of 2023. Way to be. Way to be. Stevie was yeah, I think this one is always a little tough because a lot goes into circumstances. Like, you just can't really predict that Liverpool are going to score nine on Bournemouth and just kind of, like, force a sacking to happen. I say that every week, dude. Come on. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, fair enough. Uh, like, it, it's difficult to predict that. It's difficult to predict all the things that can happen to this. Like... Who would have thought that the second manager sack was going to be one Thomas Tuchel? Like, it, it, it's a crazy world out there in the Premier League, and, and you know, things happen. So, I think, I think you're right, Will, to point out that all of us, you know, named guys who got fired, and that's, that's worth saying something, but, um, it, this one's always pretty tough. So, I think you should, I think in general, you should shoot for, pretty far odds if you're making this bet in the future yeah i mean fair enough and uh, also on top of all of that there was just a lot of uncertainty for a lot of different managers going into the season so makes sense uh for none of us to really be correct out there another one that was kind of fascinating but at this at the end uh none of us ended up getting the answer correct was top and bottom club on christmas day Raiden went with Liverpool and Bournemouth. Will went with Spurs and Everton. Um, I went with City and Everton. Neither top nor bottom was correct. I will give either one of you a full-ass Dogecoin if you can tell me who was bottom of the league on Christmas. So I looked it up, so I know. Okay, okay. Will. Will. <laughs> First off, a full-ass Dogecoin has actually made me laugh real hard. I don't know why. Um... I'm going to go with Crystal Palace. So that's actually I mean, not a terrible guess. Um, yeah. Palace only had 19 points at this point in the season, but See? the bottom two was not Palace. Go ahead, Will. Or Spoon. Villain I mean, do, do, you, do, you, do, you want, do you want another guess? Actually, yes, I do. Um, okay, I said Palace. Mm. 
less wow. than West Ham. How can two teams be bottom? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh wait, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I said two. Uh, Villa. It is so funny because you have literally picked the 11, 12th, and the 13th team one after the other. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> oh, my brain's stuck in the mid table! Who was it? Uh, it, it was uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Bottom of the table. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Damn. It's pretty <laughs> wild how, how much they've come up since then. Like, yeah. I think we all kind of realized that. They weren't gonna that they weren't that bad of a team, but you know, some teams we realized weren't that bad of a team the whole season and and got themselves relegated. Lester, um, so like fair play to Wolves going in and, and making the changes, but I it's it's kind of wild to look back and think of like where Wolves are now and where they were at that time. Yeah, and it, it's one of those few like managerial win wins I've ever seen where. Uh, Lopetegui needed to get fired from where he was. They, now Sevilla are in the Europa League final, as they normally tend to be. And on the other side, you have um, fucking Wolves, who just like climbed out of relegation. Nobody really gave a fuck. So it's, it's kind of fascinating how sometimes that works out. But moving on, um, the next bet, which was, again, very, very fascinating. And Will did get another one right. Uh, top without top six. And this was not the top six that in terms of the table, but the regular big six clubs that you think of. Um, Will picked Newcastle, who ended up, I guess, technically being fourth. And But the answer to that, we're going to take them as the answer to this question. Uh, you would have made a plus 225. Quite good odds. I did cover my bases with my West Ham pick there, plus 400. And um, on the other side, we had Braden, very high on Palace at the time, plus especially good odds at plus 1,400. So, Will, another victory lap for you, sir. Uh, I Just to give Braden his moment, uh, under Vieira at the time, Palace looked like they were going to do something. Things kind of fell apart in the middle of the season. Roy Hodgson comes in. Y'all hear me talking about this grandpa party bus. They looked a better side towards the end of the season, like they should have been a team that should have been messing around with that, but they fell on hard times. So respect to that pick. Uh, I'm going to give Sapoon a shout out uh, because uh, he picked West Ham and then they immediately capitulated. And he was like, oh, God, I need to jump on the capitulation bandwagon soon and uh, called that out beforehand either. So. Uh, but to me, y'all already knew this was going to happen. They spent a bunch of money. Uh, the crowd, like, St. James's Park was a very, very difficult place to play. And that has a lot to do with this. Once they get bought, once Mike Ashley is done, the fans are back on board, no matter how shady their owners may be. Once that happens, once you got a good fan base, once your fucking home stadium comes a fortress again, you are forced to be reckoned with. And there are going to be people in Europe who are going to have to deal with it coming up next season, and it should be exciting to see. But you know what? I am going to take this victory lap because this Newcastle project has been lined up for this the whole time. They've gotten there, and Lord knows what the fuck is going to happen after this. I went back and watched a highlight of City winning their first title, and Peter Drury legitimately says, what will this do for football going forward? I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm Peter Drury because I'm not that cool. Uh, but, yo, first the Champions League, then, then making our lives fucking miserable. 
So to add to this, uh, I'm I'm going to defend my palace pick just a little bit more, and and thank you, Will, for the call out. I I, <laughs> I went back. Saying, I respect it. I, I went back while we were uh, talking about this and looked at last year's results, and from March to the end of the season last year, Palace were ninth, and so like if you think of the big six holding up their end of the bargain, which hmm, Chelsea Spurs, I'm looking at you. Um, I think that Palace were kind of knocking around that door and they just didn't work out the season for all the reasons we talked about. That's fine. Um, the other thing, because in retrospect, Newcastle looked like the very obvious pick, right? Like we look at it right now, it's like, oh, like Newcastle finished fourth. It, like they have all the, the money to spend. Like how could we not have picked them? It's like, well, it, you know, if you had told me that Alexander Isak was transferring to Newcastle at that time, I probably would have picked Newcastle here. I, I think like it, it's just, it's one of those, like we made this even before the transfer window. And then maybe that's something we take for next year. Like let's do one before the season starts. Let's revise it. Or just like it, we can ask if we want to uh, make any changes once the transfer window closes. And, um, just kind of go from there. Cause I, I do think that that's a key part of all oh, this is like the window's still open and team like Newcastle flex their muscles. And I think that made a huge difference in where they finished here. Yeah. And I mean, the only thing I'll say about West Ham, I, I said it at the time of picking when I picked them at plus 400 was also that this is what happens. This is, these are the expectations when you start doing well. Um, and you know what? Like I had to take a lot of shit especially after our, our season last year where they almost got Europa League uh, instead of us. I, I think, personally for me, in the same podcast where I picked them to finish, or same episode where I picked them to finish top without top six, I was just like, nah, they're going to be shit this year. So in one way, I covered both my bases. And on the other side, I was also just like, you know what? You look at the odds for them and Newcastle, like the expectations and the markets were telling you that it they should be performing really well. And I think they can actually jump back next year and be the team that uh, gives, I guess, top six, top seven, whatever the fuck it's going to be called with Newcastle now, um, a fight for their money. But uh, like Paqueta just did not get going until the very end of the season. You had all the players like Jared Bowen took a big step back. So, Ultimately, they can't really blame West Ham as much. And they're in a fucking Europe, European final. Like, for all, all the jokes and everything about the Conference League, like, a club like West Ham, where these fans have seen some of the darkest days uh, recently, where they almost, you know, got relegated multiple times this season, even were in a relegation dogfight to be in a European final. Like, great season regardless. Can't wait for um, people to start talking about how, uh, if they do win the conference league final how they won a trophy in arsenal then or how spurs haven't won in such a long time like the london clubs are just going to be out here uh, talking smack about each other but you know what talking about london clubs the one bet that all three of us did get correct was top without liverpool and city liverpool y'all were not anywhere near the top this season um arsenal was the pick from all three of us and arsenal were plus 500 baby That, that's crazy, though, the odds on that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it does seem crazy, but at the same time, I think you have to kind of go back to 
the the way it, the thought process was at the beginning of the season. Like again, in retrospect, it, it looks kind of nuts, but you know, we had announced Gabriel Jesus. I think Zinchenko had joined at that time, but you also had you know Spurs who had beaten us to top four at the beginning of the season, had Antonio Conte with a full season, and like all anyone could tell you was with Antonio Conte, like how good Spurs were going to be, and like it had Perisic coming in, Richarlison coming in, they they had all of these guys, and that like Conte was going to get them work worked into a fighting unit and it's just it, it didn't quite work out for them but the mindset at that time was that you know you had City obviously going to be a very good team the thought was that Liverpool was going to be probably amongst their still competing and just didn't quite work out uh, but you would have teams like United Chelsea at that point was a big unknown but I think everyone thought with Tuchel like Chelsea were going to be fine and, and like be competing for that top four spot. And so you kind of wondered like where the hell Arsenal was going to fit in. So uh, plus 500 kind of makes sense in retrospect, but I don't know. I think like Sabine, you and I, like, I think certainly got on this, like Arsenal are going to figure this out pretty early on. Like I remember watching them preseason, just being like kind of blown away by how good we were like right away. And, um, yeah, like I, very happy all of us ended up on this one and, and wish we had all bet a hundred dollars here. <laughs> Should have gone ahead and used the money. Should have gone ahead and used the money. Um, I, I just, I don't really have too much to add. I just thought Arsenal were going to put it together. And if there was a team that wasn't going to be the club that I'm going to root for, or the obvious fucking Ted Lasso sponsored fucking choice, I had to go with the team who looked the best on paper. And I, as much as I fucking, as much as I enjoyed Conte in the end, I don't know if I believed in Spurs enough the entire time to ever believe that they were going to make that serious challenge. I thought that the most steps that had been taken for had that bleh, the most steps that had been taken forward by a team coming into that season had been Arsenal as far as who they had, what they had grown with, and how they were able to finish their last season. So I stand by my choice, especially because it was right, especially because we all made it. And especially because, uh, honestly, I don't know what that last part is going to be. I can't talk anymore. I'm going to stop and, like, spit a mouthful of saliva. Yeah. I mean, after having seen them in person in Orlando uh, over the summer, it was, you could tell there was a difference in the way they had approached things. And honestly, like, even if Liverpool had a year that everybody had, ex- like, w- expected them to, for the year, like I think Arsenal would have been uh, third either way uh, because they were more consistent than Newcastle United and everybody else. So um, I, I think it was just the best pick, especially at plus 500 out there. Uh, top two in either order. All of us got that wrong as well. Uh, not going to go through all the picks, but I mean, it's funny that all of us, I guess I, I was the only one who really didn't pick. Um, City or Liverpool in the top two, because either way, it ended up being kind of funny. Yeah, I think this was, I, I took the obvious City, Liverpool. Um, City obviously held up there into the deal, Liverpool not so much. Um, but, I mean, I think it made sense at the time. Maybe minus 145 didn't, and maybe that's something to think about for the future. But, 
Um, yeah, like it's just, I think City's kind of inevitable, and I'm surprised that we all didn't kind of have City because City are just that team that are gonna be very consistent year in year out. But you know, you take a swing at these, and like you guys both had plus five thousand, plus fifteen thousand, like. If any of those had hit, that would have been massive, massive payouts. In my defense, I had one of these right because Arsenal finished second. I just am a fucking aggressive homer and uh, just really believe that my team was going to conquer the whole bloody world. And you know what? I'll die on that hill because that's the type of fucking fan I am. But I will stand by my Arsenal pick because, hey, I expected big things. And they may have not delivered as much as we thought they were going to, but according to me, they did. So I'm going to take that as a win. Fuck y'all. I mean, technically, all three of us caught uh, 50% of that, right? Shut up. I take this as a win. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, talking about wins, uh, another thing we did not win was the Golden Boot. I think none of us wanted to pick Holland, which ended up with some hilarious bets out here with... Uh, I mean, Mo Salah at plus 500 was a very good shout. Son plus 1,600, good shout. Did not had a major regression this year. And then uh, Gabby Jesus. I'm going to just blame it on the injury. That's why it didn't work out. Or else you'd have outscored Holland. Yeah, that's definitely the reason. I agree. <laughs> I mean, going back to this one real quick. I, I think they're, it, it, again, this seems obvious in hindsight. Like, of course, Holland's going to come and score all these goals. But... You just never know when the guy's transferring to another team, like let alone coming from another league. So, I like fair enough. Like he came in and did some crazy things, broke the single season goal record. Like fair play to Holland, but I still think not picking him because if I remember right, I think he was like a minus one fifty or minus, something. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember just looking at me like it's not that I don't think he he won't do it or that he doesn't have a chance, I think it's, there's enough of a chance that he doesn't that I'm not going to take him versus everyone else at minus something. And he made his pay, so fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not taking it again. <laughs> Still not taking him. Fuck it. <laughs> Can't not be mad at that. I mean, all right. So that was a recap of what we predicted early on in the season, but then the season happened. And we came up with a fun little game for this particular episode where we are going to go through a draft. Each of us get three picks um, where we pick our top three moments of the season. Uh, we're going to have some fun with it. You, The primary rule being you cannot pick a moment that involves your team. So that'd be Arsenal for Braden, well, uh, with uh, Liverpool and then me with United. Uh, but the way we decided the order was how we finished on betting last weekend. So, Will, you have the default number one pick. You're used to it as a Cleveland Browns fan. Uh, Damn. Braden. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that, L. That's fine. <laughs> I always do. Tim Couch coming. <laughs> All right, Braden, you uh, said you, you, you figured out a way for the tiebreaker between the two of us. What was it? Yeah, so for the tiebreaker, we're going to take just go back to the last one that we were all picking and and see how we did. And you edged me on that one with 1079 pod bucks to my 
1,010 pot bucks. So you'll get number two here. All right. Let's go Lonzo Ball, baby. All right. Will, you are up first. All right. Um, again, doesn't have to involve my club, but I feel like there's probably a pretty obvious one that you guys would think. Um, there's one morning this year or this season that I woke up and had one of the best times of my life, and that was watching Spurs get emaciated by Newcastle. I've never – it's been a hot minute since I've seen a team fucking run out and just go, today is the day that we show you that we're you – I'm him. That's what that game is for Newcastle. They go out and they go, oh, you thought you were going to be this team. Let me show you what this team actually looks like. And just, pardon my French, dicks down Spurs on a magical fucking morning. The hangover that I had was gone because I have never enjoyed a team getting whooped so quickly, so efficiently to the point that Newcastle's own players are like, I, I guess we scored. Isaac scores one. He's like, I, I just had to put my foot out. I didn't even try it. The whole team looks at God. Harry Kane looks like he is already thinking about his song being sung by fucking Old Trafford Faithful. It is a glorious day to just be hating on Spurs. I could have picked 17 more Spurs moments, and I'm so sorry to all my Spurs friends. But They're oh coming. My <laughs> oh, my God, man. Like, on the day... Honestly, top 10 Premier League moments of all time. I've never giggled at a – well, I did giggle at a match this year, but that's a World Cup list. I have not giggled at a match that hard since Mbappe did some weird shit in the middle of December. What a time to be alive. Shout out to Newcastle for, for, for the best 21 minutes of my life. Not directly related. I'm not going to finish that test. All right. I mean, I, I don't really have comments on that. I think that was – that was quite the game uh, that I I definitely did not watch most of it, so don't really have any opinions on that. Uh, I was gonna say like I think I went to take the dog out for a walk and came back and I was like, how is it five now? <laughs> like like just being shocked. I was like, what? <laughs> did, did I go to a different dimension? <laughs> yeah, I, I was too stunned to speak about that. Um, uh, from, all, right, all right, so for me, this moment kind of is even more hilarious when you realize that they are no long, they didn't even finish the season with their teams. But Chelsea 2, Spurs 2, Battle of the Bridge 2.0, absolutely wild, wild scenes at the end of it. Thomas Tuchel and Antonio Conte. Didn't want to let go of each other. Absolutely going fucking nuts. And you know what? As an old school Premier League fan, like this is what the Premier League used to be all about. You had Ferguson, uh, Benitez, Wenger, Mourinho. Like th- this is what football heritage is for the Premier League. And to see that between these two managers, just absolutely like Tuchel. I have said a lot of shit about you, but you gave me one of the best moments of the season had to go with you and that kind kind of wild to think back that this was that this season like the pre-world cup stuff like just feels wild at this point but in the moment when it happened like cucurella's fucking hair is getting pulled out there for like nothing happens they get a redo on the like 
it was just a wild sequence of events in the game. And you know what? Spurs against Chelsea always is just a fun game at times. And uh, that's what we got that day. You can pull a man's hair and not get a red card. You can't yank a motherfucker down by his whole head of hair and you won't get a red card. And nothing has frustrated me more in my life than that. You, you know what my favorite thing about this, Will, is like if you if you gave someone like all of the Premier League in front of them and said, name me the moment that gets a VR, VAR official fired. You would 100% pick that one of refusing to give a red card for someone pulling someone down by his hair and then saying afterwards, I didn't think it was violent conduct at the time. <laughs> like, what? what? There's no joke I can make here that's not going to be super gross, but like in no situation except for maybe one, is hair pulling ever not an aggressive act, dude? Get even in the even in the situation I'm pulling it up, it's still an aggressive act. Get your life together. I, you can pull a man's hair, but you won't get a red card. But also, you can kick a dude in the chest. So it's whatever. VAR is wild in the prem. <laughs> All right, so that was definitely the pick that I was gonna have for mine. Like that whole like, you had Tuchel running down the sideline. You had hair being pulled. You had the handshake. It was just like to me that is the like moment the funny moment of the season um the next funniest moment to me and this is probably a little bit of my bias showing him and that's perfectly fine is um conte's press conference where he was going on and talking about how spurs are just who they are and they're like the players don't want to win. Like they're not, they know they're not going to win and they're just going there and playing the game. And, and for a guy who I had to personally suffer a lot of, you know, grand, like as Arsenal's own capitulation at the end of last season, but I had to hear all summer about how Conte was a serial winner and like Conte was absolutely going to win something at Spurs because it's just what he does and like how he's going to put this team together. And anytime you said something like, well, when was the last time a 34 year old winger came into the Premier League and was successful <laughs> on, on like that transfer? And, and people talked about, oh no, like Perisic just got like, he's Conte's guy. He's going to come in and do all this. And it's just like, all right, whatever. So to sit there and watch like that press conference specifically, and to call it the ownership, leadership, all that sort of thing was just perfect. I loved every moment of it. I It, it was the nice kind of like, I, I, I don't know, like some Arsenal like exercising some demons out of that. Just like fully flushing the previous year and some of those failures out and, and going forward. Um, I enjoyed that moment very, very much. <laughs> It is the history of the Tottenham. That, that, that's all I can say to that is after I have hated a lot of jobs in my life, but never enough to like go to the people who are directly responsible for me and be like, here's everything that all y'all motherfuckers doing wrong. And I'm going to tell each and every one of you. Also, there's going to be a camera in my face and the entire world's going to hear my grievances. Like the airing of grievances from Seinfeld, wish it could compared to this. I, it 
honestly, this is up there as an American sports fan. This is up there where we're talking about practice as far as all time interviews. Like, have never seen someone just be like, I'm so over everyone's shit talking to me right now. I'm going to tell everyone, <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, pointing to Harry Kane, fuck you. <laughs> what a, Again, what a time to be alive. And the best part about it is, I still don't think we're done with Tottenham moments for the season, and it makes me feel so bad. Yeah, I mean, when you when you have such a season as they ended up having after all the shit talk all over the summer, kind of expected. And to be honest, like, Conte is that Mourinho type of a manager where if he needs to burn bridges, he's fucking burning them bridges. And you know what? My man made sure he was getting fired and so that he got his fucking severance package instead of having to run down his contract and not have to worry about the fucking team. And he did all of that. So Conte, as somebody who very much argued that you should not be the Man United manager, thank you for not being a Man United manager. Really all I have for you. So, Will, you are back up on the clock. It's me again. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and lie to y'all. It my <laughs> we talked about VAR and Brighton kind of Brighton aspired to do something this season that they probably could have done they probably could have gone further than we gave them credit for had they not run up against the VAR buzzsaw against Tottenham and kind of get shafted over and over and over again I think if there's one thing we want to talk about this season is that VAR has been very, very wonky. And there are certainly far better moments this season that you can pick with VAR, one of which we already talked about, to make your argument that they really did a disservice this year. But at no point in that match did Brighton get something called, did they get a fair shake from the VAR? And again, the amalgamation of moments to come to Brighton just kind of falling apart at the hands of literally someone else is something that kind of encapsulates the whole VAR in England and the general state of officiating in every fucking sport right now. That's kind of happening. Like, I'm not saying Brighton being the fucking Champions League right now if that match hadn't happened because there's a bunch of different results that go a bunch of different ways. It is what it is. But I am saying... There are lots of examples of VAR being terrible this year. But because mine got chosen early, I'm going to go with my second choice. Brighton gets done in by the VAR against Tottenham. Just a real shit day to be a team who had such a good season. You know, the funny thing is, I don't even know if that's the worst VAR shafting Brighton got. Like, I, I forget which game it was, but there was an incident where VAR drew the lines on the wrong player. Because it... it I remember because it was the same week that they just didn't draw the lines for Arsenal versus Brentford. Um, and like, it was the same weekend that that happened. And like, they ruled off a goal that was onside because they drew the lines on the wrong defensive player. And it's just like these inexcusable mistakes happening in the prem, like just richest league in the world, who, you know, run by clowns. Yeah, the standard of refereeing was, has been pretty shit um, throughout the season, and bringing back uh, Howard Webb has really not helped, especially not us, because we've gotten the least amount of fucking penalties all season. 
Um, having said that, the, I do think that was the moment where like top four was done for Brighton. Um, I think like when they didn't get that win, but um, we'll see how the Zerbi and the company turn that around for next season. Um, okay, so everybody knows how much I fucking hate Liverpool, yeah? And it takes a lot for me to praise something, but amongst the few things that I hate more than Liverpool is the fucking British monarchy. And having to get games motherfucking cancelled because the Queen died was wild to me to begin with, and then the whole situation of games getting postponed because they have a fucking coronation was even more stupid to me. But in all of that, one of the best moments I I personally really loved was at Anfield when they tried to play the fucking national anthem before the game. The whole crowd just fucking booed the shit out of it. And you know what? Respect to Anfield, especially the north of England, always getting shafted by those uh, decision makers. And you know what? Liverpool fully embodied that they what a lot of people within England feel. And I'm sure there aren't... Uh, that few who feel the same um, outside of England as well. I love the uh, the inevitable question that people give me: the you're an American Liverpool fan, why do they boo the national anthem? And I'm just like, look, if you just read, just read and and let it wash over you, and also understand that we're American, so like in theory, we should also like boo. Like I, I don't know, like I'm not about the monarchy, like. I, there's a whole Tony Award winning musical about motherfuckers who look like me fighting that war. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to cheer those guys. Why are we cheering them? So it, look, scouts, not English is some real shit. And it's not just the scousers. It's a bunch of the North of England. Like uh, ask your Manchurian friends, ask your, ask particular Geordie friends. It's like, it's not all, it's not all nice up there. Uh, you know what, man? I'm not, I'm tired of being polite. Fuck the monarchy, man. Fucking, I'm the most famous William in this country, motherfucker. And your wife is stupid. Please don't cancel me, England. All right. Is is there anyone else we left that we'd like to offend real quick? Just just like put everything out there. First things first. Um, I, you know what? I, I like Harry. I think he's kind of cool. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, that, that is fair. All right. So for me, I've got uh, the next pick. I... In order to keep this from just like piling too much on Spurs, I do have a few more Spurs moments and we might get to them in the next one. We'll see. Uh, for me, it was a, an interview with uh, someone who is generally regarded as an Arsenal fan, but Cristiano Ronaldo going on an interview with Piers Morgan to like force his way out of Manchester United. I, this had a lot of, if you followed the Premier League or, or Arsenal or whoever for for a while, there was a moment where uh, when Van Persie was leaving Arsenal to go to Manchester United, he wrote a letter to the fans where he talked about like he had a dis like he had a disagreement with where Arsenal wanted to be and like the little boy inside him always wanted to play for Manchester United, blah blah. And like I think there was a very calculated like oh there's some unrest, this will get the fans on my side type thing, and just absolutely did not do it. I I think this is very much the same thing. Like, I think this was a little bit of Ronaldo saying, like, 
yeah i i need to explain like my side and why i need to like move on and that sort of thing and, and also force united's hand but with the pr spin and i just like i don't think it works like i don't know of any manchester united fan that went that saw that and said you know what he's right and like i i don't count twitter accounts because like half of them aren't even like fans of your club they're fans of a player so whatever um like I just don't know anyone who was like, yeah, like Ronaldo's right. We're terrible. Um, even if there's some things that you said that were true, which there's always with all these things, there's always a hint of truth in these things. Just like you, you, you really can't do that. So that was a very memorable moment of like one of the all time great players, just like, in my opinion, kind of souring his legacy with a lot of fans of United. And, and I would like your take on the Sapoon because, like, obviously I'm not a Man United fan, so I can't say for sure as far as that, but it just feels like it puts a lot of United fans in a really awkward situation. So, uh, yeah, I, I do very much agree with that because I think, one, the person he decided to do it with was just... I think, a very terrible choice to begin with because Piers Morgan, for all his terrible, terrible stuff, really knows how to get the juicy information out and really knows how to take, like, get you to say what he wants you to say kind of situation. And Ronaldo, as somebody who's not a native English speaker, like, he, you kind of see it in the interview, like, Piers just leading him on and you see Ronaldo then just, like, fucking talking like he's talking to a bunch of friends at a pub. I don't even know if he's ever been to a pub. So uh, I think Ronaldo overall just really miscalculated. I think Jorge Mendez and the PR like left him shortly after the interview. And you really saw like a lot of the inner circle leave Ronaldo after that, who had been very integral to his entire like footballing career. And that speaks to itself, right? Like I think he, for him, He said a lot of good things. He said a lot of true things that needed to be said. But the platform he used, the moment he actually said them in, like, I think really diminished what he actually said and made it all about himself. And I think that's where um, the mentality that players like him always have had, like, it's me versus the world. When you get old, if you don't mature, like, you're going to end up in a situation like he did. And, you know, what is kind of ironic is, when he was a kid coming through the United team, um, Ruud van Nusselrooy and him had a bust up and Ferguson protected him and, and sold Ruud van Nusselrooy that summer uh, to Real Madrid. So for him to really like talk the way he did, e- even about the young players, it was just very, uh, I think, as, as a club, like he left the club no choice but to cut ties with him. And that is what he wanted like for him. And I think... Ultimately, that interview is like 50% of the reason people um, really didn't want Arsenal or United fans really didn't want Arsenal to win the league because Piers Morgan took a very anti-Ten Hag stance after that on how he, uh, like comparing him to like what Arsenal were doing in the season. And I think a lot of people just love to pile on Arsenal uh, because of that. But Overall, like, Ronaldo did, I, I think for, like, what it's worth, he did really fuck up his legacy at a club where I think he was very much adored. And, like, you saw that in the first game back. Like, he was this... And nobody even, like, said much. Like, he was the issue even when we finished sixth. But people are like, you know what, it's Ronaldo, it's okay. 
just five times in the contract and so it's kind of sad how it all ended well look i've sat through people doing interviews that kind of affect their standing with a place that they should not leave feeling the way they should there were other signs in the season that he already kind of gave up but like that that interview just rubs me the wrong way just like as a person who enjoys football like if someone who i had been watching play for my club leave acrimoniously go on achieve the highest heights come back it's love it's love story it's all this wonderful stuff for him to leave like that is like my dad leaving in the middle of the night without telling me and my mom that never actually happened but that's the example that i'm giving just in case anyone's wondering but like it's that sort of drab like not to miss words damn motherfucker you felt like this the whole time why don't you just fucking say it not like why'd you not put me through this like five weeks of just like thinking everything's gonna be great and then everything turns to shit like why not just go ahead and let me know that you think everything sucks and get the hell out of here so that i can fall in love with my new dad ten hog yeah i mean it, the, the one thing i do want to add to all of that i i think it was it was very good that he did it before the World Cup because everybody would have clowned him after the World Cup. For sure. So um, Why are you crying? Why are you crying walking down the tunnel, bro? What's wrong? What's wrong? <laughs> you missed him hot? You missed <laughs> Yeah, that that was that was kind of a wild, wild uh press conference though at the end of the day. And you know what? I have never seen a guy give like two uh, like a fucking forty five minute to an hour long interview like that. Just ta- talking trash. But you know what? Um, that's Ronaldo for you. But going into the final round of this, Will, do you have, or what do you have in store for us? Um, I'm not a fan of either one of these teams. And again, it's, it's the Spurs pile on. But specifically for me, this was a match that I enjoyed this season, specifically because I got to do it in a very nice locale. I got to watch... Tottenham go up by two and essentially throw a monkey wrench into the title race at the time in January, only to super capitulate almost against City and give up four in a real quick, fast hurry. Um, This match was, in the grand scheme of things, it was kind of important because this does kind of like City have their wobbles and wibbles throughout the season. And this was one of them. So this kind of does kind of help City make that extra turn of the key to make, like, ratch up their energy and make them fucking be the world beaters, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. I'm not going to shower City with praise here. Legit, this is a favorite moment for me because the sun was shining, I was on a cruise, and fucking everything kicked off after, like, the 30 minutes of me watching this match. So it's not the most, well, it might be a memorable match to City fans, all seven of them. It's probably going to be a memorable match to Spurs fans. All 93,000 of you had to sit through you guys thinking you were doing well for five seconds. But honestly, the hell of a match to watch live. Hell of a match to watch with a fucking tropical drink in your hand. Uh, my last pick is just me bragging about the fact that I've been to a beach this year. Uh, yeah, watch the Premier League on vacation. You'll make friends. You'll have drinks. City will inevitably win the title like they always do. It's a, it's a good time had by all. Most of the time. Yeah, I, I remember that and being like, can Harry Kane win the title for his boyhood club? And, and it was not meant to be. Sad times. Sad times. For them, I was on the beach. Fuck them. 
I mean, to be fair, uh, Pep got asked if he does win the treble, uh, what is the next goal he has for his team next season? And he would just like to score a goal at uh, Tottenham Stadium. Take that for uh, what you may. Um, all right. So, oh, I, I, you know what? For all the clowning of Spurs we've done, like, I'm surprised we haven't, like, clowned Chelsea enough. And, like, this is one of my problems of the season. Like, everybody has cl- Like, when United finished sixth last year, it was, like, the worst fucking situation that happened to us. Like, everybody clowned us all the fucking time. And, like, Chelsea finishing 11th, it's just, like, I, it's just done. Like, everybody just gave up on clowning Chelsea around, like, Feb. Because Chelsea fans had also just accepted at that point that we were shit. But you know what? This was a point that they didn't know that they were shit. Because this was Graham Potter joining Chelsea with his fresh trim that he got, right, as he joined Chelsea. Taking his boys to his former stomping grounds against this new manager that... Uh, people had said is not good enough for the Premier League in uh, the Zerbi. And it was an absolute slacking out there. Like Brighton, everybody knew what the fuck they wanted to do. Chelsea looked like absolute boys. I mean, um, United had had quite a few games like that where we looked bad. But I mean, that Chelsea team in that moment, it's like, it sucks when your team you're taking them back to your old boys like and they absolutely light you up but at the same time like i think for brighton that w- that was the first time i started taking them seriously as a european threat and i think uh, they continued and really showed which you know what for what after two and a half years of just defending oleg it was really nice to hype up a coach to the chelsea fans and watch him absolutely fail and me personally just having the best time because I'm like, I don't give a fuck if he fails because I think he's a good manager and y'all fucking suck. And that was exhibit like 900 of the season that ended up for Chelsea. Yeah. The thing that's tricky about Chelsea this year is there's a lot of moments where it's not that they've had a hilarious like capitulation other than like the Brighton thing, as you mentioned, like very funny with Deserby coming in, balling it, it on Graham Potter and that sort of thing. Uh, but there's been a lot of draws for Chelsea and, and like that sort of thing. And there's been a lot of like, just general underperformance, but not a lot of just like hilarious results or, or, or any it's that comical, which I think has kind of led to some of the like, I don't want to say letting it go, but just like, yeah, like you're right. There hasn't been enough focus on it, but it also hasn't had like any of the really, really, really funny moments that bring people out to to clown them. Um, I, yeah, I, I it th- this like this shellacking that Brighton put on Chelsea was was quite the moment though, for sure. Uh, the only thing I have to add to speak on Chelsea, and I know we're not supposed to speak on our clubs, is that the inverse of me talking about the City match that I watched against Tottenham was the fact that I woke up at 7 o'clock in the morning on a ship with no one else around me, two mimosas in hand, to watch Chelsea and Liverpool play one of the most drab draws I've ever seen in my entire human life. And that may have been because I was hungover and the mimosas weren't kicking, but, like, hilarious Chelsea results 
And when I think of Chelsea hilarity, I make fun of myself for committing myself to thinking that either one of those teams was going to play an entertaining moment of football on the day. And that was still when Graham Potter was there. Just, I'll, I can make fun of Chelsea all day, and I will as soon as I get off the microphone, but, like, it's not worth me to do it in front of everyone who's listening right now because, like, we all saw them fall apart so quickly that, like, I was out of jokes week three. They hired, they rehired Frank Lampard, and I was still out of jokes because I made the jokes early in the season about Everton. This whole fucking Chelsea thing has been a joke. We should probably make more fun of it, and you know what? There's a whole Women's World Cup for me to do it, so... They should have bought an M. Hayes, like I said. Motherfuckers. All right, so the last one for me, I'm going to take, and sorry, this is some PTSD opinion. I'm going to take Brentford for United nil here. Like, I just think that it was a very strong moment of this is a lot bigger of a job than I think people thought it was going to be for Ten Hot. Like, I, I think there was a lot of, I don't necessarily want to say, concern at the time but i think there was a lot of ten hog may have more on his plate than he's like really ready for so to speak or at least kind of how the board was working with with it at that time and i think if you want to take this from a united perspective i think united were very decisive after this and being like we need to go get casimiri we need to go get the pieces that will allow us to like actually have a decent season but it was a moment of just like, I, I think it was uh, De Silva's goal against De Gea, where it's just like, I don't know who this. Uh, Great, like I see your smile, Sapoon. Like this is this is a little bit of your soapbox thing, and that's fine. But just like, that was a moment for me where I think I went from like, De Gea is a flawed modern keeper, but kind of like he does something fine to just like. He's a uh, he's a liability at this point. Like the stuff that he's supposed to be good at, he's no longer like that good at. Um, and it, like it was just kind of a pretty stark like United need to improve. And and I think like if you followed the season, like United have obviously improved from that and kind of took that and rebuilt from there. But just like that was a moment that just really shocked me. Like I, I was not ready for Brentford to do to do that like that early in the season. I mean, something to be said about that Brentford team. If we could say anything about that, like I, to be fair to myself, I have thought United had a bit. I've been on the United is going to have a better season than we're giving them credit for bandwagon. Probably after I made these predictions, cause I look like an idiot now, but this is one of those performances where all of my goodwill and histrionics kind of, you know, aside from me laughing hysterically to myself, you did sort of wonder, like, what is the next step that, what is Tin Hot going to have to do next to get over this hump? And it's not even like it's like a huge hump or anything. It's just like four performances come like that because the performances hadn't necessarily been bad or good. They had just been, like, performances. They had done what they needed to do to get across the line. To get to this and to have this happen, all of a sudden the questions start to arise. And... If I were a United fan, I would look at that moment and where the team was able to come from from that as something that you could definitely build upon, not just in the season, but going on to the next season. Like, 
that's a real moment of consternation that you're going to have to deal with as a manager. And if you're going to be the manager of a club like Manchester United to be able to have that happen against a Brentford squad who we need to give some fucking credit because they're top half of the table as well. But to have that happen and to come back and still be like, no, we're going to finish in these places and we're going to do this. And like, there is a way forward. And I promise you that like the, the days will be brighter to be able to come back from that, to do that. It's a testament to how good of a manager this guy is and how much further this Manchester United team had to come past that and how much further they're still going to go. Hey, if they can come back from that, there's a lot more they can do. So, yeah, yeah, I guess it's an important moment. I've just blovated about Manchester United in positive ways, and it's ended my season terribly. Fucking hate you guys. I mean, uh, yeah, that that, that 4-0 was really quite... uh wild start to the season, especially after we lost at home to Graham Potter's Brighton uh, first week of the season. And um, uh, funny funny that you brought that up, Braden, because um, there have been a lot of videos shared of that uh, by United fans over the last couple of days to be like, hey, like, look at how far we came from that point to where we are today. And I, I, I personally think uh, ultimately... As you put it, Braden, it did give everybody a realization of like how far United have to go to really compete because ultimately, like this is Brentford's second year in the fucking Premier League. Like, you know, if you are trying to be this big club, then you have to be able to go out there and get results. I wonder if like the hair was in on those fucking bets with Ivan Tony, like something for Premier League to look into. Um, <laughs> in any way you can get him not playing for your club, I see. <laughs> FIFA, you should also ban him just because. <laughs> uh, but real talk, I I I I do think um that game really did serve as a very good benchmark for United, and like literally a week later we played Liverpool at home, got the win, and like jumpstart our season. So, um, it, it really was a much needed defeat retrospectively. I think for a lot of these players, Ronaldo there, like I don't like. When it was Ole as the manager, he could blame others for the losses. Here, he couldn't. And, um, I mean, Ten Hag and the boys ran, uh, like, what, 18 miles, 22 miles or some shit the next day. Like, they, they called back in from the day off that you normally get after a game. And, like, Ten Hag ran with the squad the distance that Brentford outran United by and really set the tone to the season. So, um, I, I, I think, sadly, it wasn't the only freak result United had away from home. But it did uh, give a lot of direction uh, for United moving forward. So, because we finished top four, we can say that. If, it, if we didn't finish top four, then you just go back to that game and be like, fucking hell, man. The hey, I should have saved that fucking goal. Um, anyway, that those were the three, I guess, total nine top moments from each of us. That draft was definitely entertaining. Um, going to come to y'all. Did anybody take any of the picks? that you had listed down. Yeah, man. Fucking, you can pull a dude by his hair, you won't get a red card, and that handshake was intense. Like, like that's, like, just the funniest fucking, like, that handshake is saved in my gifts as, like, my internal reaction to, like, someone pissing me off in real life. Like, that is a seminal sports moment that is burned in my brain now. But also, it has one of the officiating, like, moments of this season that I'm going to quote for the next five years. Like, yet again, 
you can pull a guy by his head, you can kick a dude in the chest, but you blow too hard on someone's earlobe and you get a red card. <laughs> Brother, you did have the first pick, though. Yeah. That is that true. Newcastle, like, that Newcastle game was funnier, though. Sorry. It, <laughs> it, it, in uh, proper Cleveland Browns fashion, man was like, all right, first pick. <laughs> I, I told you Tim Couch was incoming, and I did exactly what I said. I'm a man of my word. <laughs> Fumbled the bag immediately. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's that was also mine. Like, I had earmarked number one slot was Tugel Conte for all the reasons you mentioned. It's just like it, it had, like, for what you said, Spoon, like, it's kind of what the Premier League used to be. As far as like managers like really getting into each other, like that really is it. Like there's been a little bit too much of a like Klopp Pep love fest over the past couple of years, and like it's been very respectful. It's been fine, but like I don't know. I want like Wenger grabbing Mourinho by the tie and like shoving (laughs) like (laughs) I don't know. Bring me back. Yeah, like, you just need a little bit more energy from the fucking managers, you know? Like, you, you don't need to be so nice. Like, fans will get behind you. Like, fucking, just don't, don't do what, like, the Zerbi and Stellini situation. Like, that was just weird. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, was too that, far. that seemed like some personal beef from back yeah. in the day. He's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you, you, would you do to my fucking family, bro? Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the one though, uh, that I did have marked as well, that you took was the Conte press conference. Um, that was going to be my next one, and it ended up yeah, you picked uh, picked it up, and I was just like, I'm not gonna. I tried to not go after Spurs because I was just like, both of y'all are doing that, so I tried to bring some Chelsea in there. They were just a very easy target. I'm sorry. It's just uh, they they were involved in so many things that made me giggle. Like I I'm so sorry, and I feel bad, but like just look. I, they tell me that laughing is good for me, and if Spurs continue to provide that, I'm going to continue to do it. I mean, I, I, I'm glad Braden didn't pick fucking uh, seven nothing, and instead picked the four nothing. Like the four nothing, I can have a positive spin on the seven nothing. Like there was nothing positive about that day. The Jello shot match. Like, <laughs> I, I nearly took. I nearly took that one, but I decided that like the four nothing was a bigger moment in the season like the seven nothing was just like a freak result kind of but like before the four nil i think was a result that really forced all to change the outlook on the season like and, and maybe you still would have gotten casimir maybe you still would have done all these things but i think it really forced united like leadership to make changes and that's why i picked that one i mean the day before four nil it was Rabio and Arnautovic were the guys who were coming in. <laughs> and like four no happens. What like a season that would have been. Fucking <laughs> Rabio. What a season I that I forgot that was a thing. Oh my god. Like I, I have ne- like and and that's why like I compared that four no a bit to like how Arsenal reacted after they lost eight two, where they just like went berserk and signed like hella players in the, like the next forty eight hours. United similarly were just like I. We need to go get a midfielder. And then we went from, like, chasing De Jong all summer to going to Rabio to going to fucking... Like, nobody even knew fucking Casemiro was available. 
Like you hear one rumor and then it's like Romano just goes out, man Casemiro to Man United, here we go, you're like, what the fuck? Like but you know what? That that did work out very well, even if it's like a very short term fix in my opinion. I think um that this year, I mean, he got us a cup. He's been very integral to how good we have been and um hopefully he gets a few less red cards next year. Like really all I have. But um the one I did, I was surprised neither one of you picked was the Leeds slapping um, Chelsea early on in the season with Jesse Marsh. It was Marsh. number four. It was number four. <laughs> <laughs> it was my next pick. <laughs> it's not going to lie. It's, it's, it's like there's a forced pick and then there's that one. Like, it's right there. Yeah, fair enough. Like, for me, I, I had that one and I had the Reese Nelson stoppage time winner. Um, as like the other two moments that I had, because like that reason also won. Like that was my actual number one. I just couldn't pick my own team. Yeah, that is fair. What's wild is as a United fan, like there aren't that many moments really from the season, like that I would have had to pick from. So like for me, I guess it was a much easier. Like I guess y'all had a bunch. Like for you, the Aston Villa game, the Reese Nelson goal, like so many different uh, options to pick from. Renato against Fulham would probably be up there for me. That that was uh, the that would have been the one I would have picked for you. Um, fuck you, Charleston. That's my moment. <laughs> I mean that yeah that was funny as shit though. That, but that yeah. As we keep rambling on, we could keep going for a very long time. Uh, that is it for this weekend of the podcast. The games are over and there won't be a whole lot of betting going on between now and the summer at least as far as the Premier League is concerned but we will try to bring you some content and come up with some ideas if you have any ideas feel free to hit us up on our different socials on that note uh, we shall see you next week what's love got to do with it bye Miss Tina <laughs>